to delay that which we find unpleasant now. Such behavior comes naturally to any child with a homework assignment, after dinner, when the game is over, and so it did to pension sponsors who deferred the required contributions. Pensions are a perfect vehicle for procrastination. In the financial world, they are the most long-enduring promises that exist. The only rival is the federal social security system. But there, surprisingly, the commitment is not so airtight. Congress, if it chose, could reduce or cancel Social Security benefits tomorrow. Pensions are forever. The young men who went to work for General Motors after World War II, when GM ruled the roost of American business, were promised pension and health care benefits that remained in force for half a century. One GM retiree, who died at 111 in 2006, had been collecting pension and retiree health benefits for 48 years. When he first went to work in 1926, GM's managers could not have had the faintest conception of what the company could or would be paying in benefits 80 years later. The very remoteness of the pension guarantee seduced many employers into overpromising. After all, when the benefits came due, they would be somebody else's problem. This tendency to overpromise was especially acute in the public sector, where employee unions had the power to vote politicians who weren't sufficiently generous out of a job. The story of pensions is, in fact, largely the story of the slow accretion of power by the labor unions. The first third of this program concerns the United Automobile Workers who in a decade went from a ragtag bunch whose members were being beaten by paid union busters to a formidable trade union that wrested pension and health care benefits from Detroit. Retiree health care entails the same sort of long-term commitments, the same crushing obligations, and may be thought of as a companion to the pension problem. Ultimately, the UAW drained out the value from once colossal companies, General Motors in particular. For impoverished GM shareholders, the sad irony is that Walter Ruther, the UAW's inspirational early leader, pointed the way toward a solution in the very beginning, and GM's encrusted management did not want to hear it. In 2007, with the UAW and GM fighting a pitched battle over benefits, the union struck and shut the company down. Ruther's vision, which was carried to a dubious extreme, fueled the present crisis but it also pointed to a way out. The second part shifts the scene to the remarkable story of the then-communist-run Transport Workers Union, which in the midst of the Great Depression organized the New York City subways. The TWU and its fiery leader, Mike Quill, played much the same role in the public sector as Ruther and the UAW did in private. Previous to the TWU, Subway employees had to work until age 70 to qualify for a pension, and a meager one at that. Through a combination of strikes, threats, and not-so-subtle politicking, unions such as the TWU became a power in the legislature. Thanks to their efforts, New York's public servants now stand a fair chance of collecting a pension for longer than they worked, and in many cases they earn more in retirement, including Social Security, than they did on the job. Thus, retirement has expanded from a modest sinecure at the sunset of life to a long and lucrative second career. This is a topsy-turvy state of affairs, contrary to economic logic as well as common sense. 
Subway riders are paying higher fares so that the system's middle-class employees can retire at 55 and spend, like as not, three decades in a comfortable retirement. The Metropolitan Transportation Authority finally demanded reforms, and over Christmas 2005, New Yorkers got a frightening glimpse of the future when a pension strike shut down their fabled transit system. The drama in the subways pitted the people who operated the trains against the people who rode them, the public servants against the public. This is suggestive of the crisis in public pensions everywhere. In New York, at least, the battle was waged openly and on the issues, but many other pension sponsors have not been so forthright. For institutions under stress, pensions have been a tool for escaping the tough decisions. A sort of devil's bargain is struck, whereby the unions, which know that pensions are constitutionally guaranteed, push for benefits that are beyond the ability.